Good morning. <clears throat> Greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be here to worship with you all again. Somehow it seems like it's been a while since I was here on a Sunday morning. Uh, I guess looking back, it has probably been about six weeks approximately, if I remember correctly. I want to bring a message this morning that uh, addresses a subject that I feel is a subject that uh, we're in need of as people, as a church, as a society. And it's something that I find that I am in need of a reminder on. I was challenged as I uh, studied this. I want to speak on the subject of leadership. There's a short poem that I want to share at the beginning that... Uh, illustrates the principle that I want to address this morning. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. That little short poem paints a picture of a small item, a little horseshoe nail, and how that one small item created a chain reaction that brought about the demise of a kingdom. Now, I suspect that that poem is something that is someone made up to, to uh, make a point to, for a good illustration. Probably not necessarily true. But it holds forth a true principle that small things have large results over time. And a while back, I heard another illustration of this. Listened to a message given by Wilmer Funk from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania area. And he talked about watershed issues. And he had an illustration that I'd like to use this morning of, well, he, 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 he talked about how that in his lifetime he observed churches. And he observed churches that at one point were close together. And they made decisions over time that led in different directions. And they ended up, in his words, a thousand miles apart. And he compared that to a watershed on a snow-capped peak in Switzerland where you have a ridge with an ice cap on it. And as that ice cap melts, the water on one side of that ridge flows down the streams and rivers and ends up in the Mediterranean Sea. The snow melt on the other side of that ridge flows down the streams and rivers and ends up in the North Sea, literally a thousand miles apart. And you see, there was a common source. It all started at the same point. But because of an almost imperceptible di difference, at it, 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 some point there on the peak of that ridge, 
there was an almost imperceptible point where the water went this way or the water went that way, determining an enormous difference in the outcome. And that's a principle that we need to, as people, we need to realize that it is true today that a small difference today will make a huge difference in the end. Both of these illustrations point that out. And we can apply those illustrations in different ways to different areas of life. But I want to apply it today in the sense of, of leadership. And I use that term leadership, and I was studying, I struggled a little bit with it because in reality, you could term it headship order as well because it's, it's the structure that God has put in place for people. And the parallel I'd like to make this morning is that the lack of good godly leadership is like the lack of that horseshoe nail or that almost imperceptible deviation there at the peak of that ridge on the watershed. At the time, it may seem inconsequential, but in the end, it can have disastrous effects and have an enormous impact on the lives of many people. So thinking about leadership in that, in, in that God-ordained order, God has put in place an order for mankind. And as I pondered that, I thought it was interesting that God, I don't believe that there's any particular book of the Bible or passage of the Bible that we go to that where God really spells out His will for authority structure and leadership, but we find it woven throughout the Scriptures. And I want to look at a handful of Scriptures this morning. And I'd like to start with Genesis 2, verse 18. Genesis 2.18, this is in the creation account. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet or a suitable helper for him. And we won't take time to, to read the rest of that account, but we know how that Adam was alone on the earth. And God said, There's something missing. Adam needs a helper suitable for him. And I believe that in these verses, we have the basic foundation principle laid out for God's leadership and authority structure by the way he staged creation. He created Adam first. Paul referenced that fact, in 1 Corinthians 11.9, he said, Neither was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. So I see in that that God was setting in place a certain authority or leadership structure 
he, does, he wasn't doing that to say that woman is less important than the man. We'll talk about that more later. Or of less value, but yet, I believe God was setting a structure in place. A structure of different roles and different responsibilities. Different yet complementary roles. You know, God's design is that the church, the home, in society, etc., would all function smoothly. That's God's design. That's God's desire. Is that we, as we interact, function smoothly and bring Him honor and glory. And I believe that that is what will happen if we follow His way. Earlier in the creation account, in Genesis 1, on the sixth day, well, different times it says that God looked at what He created and said it was good. And on the sixth day after God had created everything, it says that God looked at His creation and behold, it was very good. Everything God had created was good. And I think if I ask for y'all's response this morning, you all would say, yes, that's right. But I'd like to ask you to think about something. Was it only the physical that was good? In other words, the landscape, the, you know, the earth, the trees, the, the, the plants of the ground, the animals, is that all that was good? I believe that there were other things that God set in place that He looked upon and declared to be very good as well. And I believe that those things are the principles and the laws that God set in place to govern His creation. And I think that we need to recognize that everything God has created, everything He has put in place, if if God says that this is how you should operate as humans, it falls into the category of God looking at it and saying, it is very good. And we do ourselves a disservice to believe anything different. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11, I'd like to look at verse 3 at this time. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of of the woman is man, is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So here I think we have one of the clearest statements in Scripture of what God ordained to be an authority structure in society. We see that man is the head of woman, Christ is the head over man, and God is head over Christ. A clear structure of leadership and responsibility. Again, This is not to set man over woman in an oppressive way. But it's rather the structure and authority that God has put in place. We as humans, in one way or another, maybe I should say our society has struggled with that. 
But I'll think that we can gain some help in considering this relationship and the role of man and woman here by considering the bigger picture that he lays out of the relationship between God and Christ. So remember what he says here about God is head over Christ. But Scripture also tells us that God has exalted Jesus to a high position. And I just want to read a couple verses regarding that. We won't turn to them. Ephesians 1, 20-22 says, "...which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places." far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. That sounds pretty exalted and lifted up. Philippians 2, 9-11, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Again, Christ is in a very highly exalted position. It says that He's above all powers and principalities and every knee is going to bow to Him. Yet, 1 Corinthians 11.3 says that God is, is head over Christ. So I asked, does the headship order do anything to detract from Christ's exalted position? And the answer is no. Rather, the exalted position that Christ is in today is due to the fact that He was in submission to His Father's will. He was in submission to the one who was head over him. That is why he is in a glorified position today. And I bring that out to, to point out that we need to recognize that God's ordained order of headship and leadership isn't in place to oppress, but it is in place to bless and to lift up and to promote God's blessing upon us as we fulfill His will for our lives. Some other examples from Scripture of God's ordained leadership order that we're not going to turn to this morning, but I am just, just want to point out, Ephesians 6 states clearly that children are to be obedient. They're to be under their parents. Servants are be to, to be obedient to their masters. We also read in three places, Romans 13, Titus 3, and 1 Peter 2 that we're to be in subjection to earthly authorities. Particularly in Romans 13, we see that these earthly authorities, even though they may not be operating under God's full will, under, under God's principles set forth in Scripture, yet they're set in place and given power by God. We also have passages that speak of and demonstrate leadership within the church. Hebrews 13, for example, has three verses that speak of those who have the rule over you in the church. We also have many examples in the New Testament of leadership being set in place to govern the church. 
I believe that we can see that God has put in place in all areas of society a structure of authority, a structure of leadership for the good of mankind. And there's many layers to that authority structure. And I believe that if God's design is followed correctly, it will be a tremendous blessing to us as His people. So I hope that we've established this morning in our minds that God has set in place an authority structure, structure of leadership, that if it's followed, it will provide a tremendous blessing and glory to Him. Also, I believe that, uh, or I hope that we've seen that it will help us to find ourselves on the correct side of the, of the watershed, using that illustration, if we apply God's principles in our settings. My desire this morning is that we would become more appreciative of the leadership structure that God has set in place. And particularly, that we as men, whom I believe that God is calling to a place of leadership, that we would be more committed to submitting to God's design and that we would each be determined to do our part in carrying it out. And so to that end, I'd like to think a little more about godly leadership and what it is. What does it look like? First of all, and I think this is, I think this is important because I think this is a a big distinction between what the world says is leadership and what God says is leadership. Godly leadership, first of all, isn't about me or doing things my way. Remember what we read in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Every level of authority in that structure has another authority over top of it until you get to God Himself. So leadership really is a lot about doing what I'm called to do, but the authority that is over me. Jesus exemplified that in His life on earth. He said in John 5, verse 30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. And in John 6, 38, he said, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. See, Jesus had his mind meshed with the will of the Father. And so when he came to earth, his goal was to do the will of the Father. He was in full submission to the authority that was over him. In 1 Corinthians 11.3, Jesus is second from the top. Second in command, we might say. But yet he was in full submission to the one over him. So we need to ask ourselves as we think about this, who is over me? And am I submitted to their authority? in their leadership. Romans 13.1, again referring to that, says there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And so authority on this earth all comes from God. 
And God places us each individually under different, in different situations. And we're responsible to the authority that God has placed over us. So often we want to short circuit what God has set in place. And we want to ignore what's over us and we want to go around and go straight to God. So godly leadership is then acquired not so much by being in charge, but it is found through submission. Submission ultimately to God, but submission to what God has set in place over us. When we step outside of that structure, we're going to short-circuit the blessings that God has in store for us and for His people. I don't think there's any area of life where we can refuse to submit to what God has set in place and what God has said is good and expect to receive His blessing. So we need to be submitted to the authority over us. Another word that describes leadership, or I should say godly leadership, is servanthood. Jesus told His disciples that when they were quarreling over position, quarreling over who would be the greatest. In other words, they were, they were arguing about who was going to be the leader. This is what Jesus told them. I'm going to read these verses from the New King James, Matthew 20, 25-28. But Jesus called them to Himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus was saying there that if you want to be great, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be in charge, you have to give yourself up. You have to surrender. You have to sacrifice for the good of those that you're going to lead. That's what Jesus exemplified for us. So the essence of leadership, of godly leadership, is submission to the authority and leadership that's over me, as well as a sacrificial, excuse me, sacrificial servanthood to those that you are leading. I believe that that's maybe why good, strong leadership may be lacking in our society. Because true leadership is about submission and sacrifice. And those are two things that are not popular with the carnal man. I also wanted to point out and I don't think that there's necessarily a verse of Scripture to support this, just more from my own observation. I believe that good, strong leadership is something that we crave as human beings. We pretty much all follow somebody. We like to say that we're independent. We like to say that we think for ourselves that we determine our own destinies, 
But most of us, if not all of us, if we'd be really bluntly honest, are following the lead of someone else. You don't have to look very far, but just you think of the world around us and the, uh, the fashions of the world. Why do people wear and some of the things they do? It's because somebody, somewhere, that they look up to wore that article of clothing or said that it was cool. They do it because they want to be accepted in the in crowd. That's our human nature. And I tell you that who you are getting your cues from in life and how you act and how you appear and what you do is your leader. And if you're getting your cues from somebody other than God's people, your leader is somebody other. You're, you're following a leader other than a good, solid, godly leader. And I want us to think about that because we follow someone. Are we following those who have the property, proper authority over us? Or are we following an imposter? We talked about deception in our Sunday school class. So I ask, who are you following? Are you following those who God has set over you, the, the people that God has set in place to be your leader, or are you following an imposter? An illustration to help us understand that is if a child wants to do something, you we've us that are parents probably have all had this experience and probably most of us have had a similar experience growing up. The child goes to their parents and says, can I do such and such? Or can I have whatever? And they do it because all of their friends are doing it. And their parents say, no, we, we won't allow that. Who is that child bound to obey? They're bound to obey their parents. Because their parents are the people that God has set in place as in, in authority and leadership over them. So it doesn't matter if that child looks like a misfit to their friends. They're bound by God's authority structure to obey their parents. Does anything in God's authority structure change when we become adults? We're still responsible to someone else that's over us. Yes, we're not children anymore. We're more responsible for ourselves than we are when we're children. But yet I believe we're responsible to the authority structure that God has put in place. A husband and father, if he wants to be a godly leader in the home, cannot lead in a direction that is contrary to the teaching of the Lord. That's stepping outside of the bounds of the authority that God has given him. Within the church, church leaders need to be submissive to the directions of God's Word and the Holy Spirit. You know, we can't, as church leaders, we can't just operate according to our own personal whims. 
that would be stepping outside of the bounds of what God has ordained. So in reality, true leadership starts with being a good follower of the one who has authority over me. It starts with getting self out of the way so that I can serve others like Jesus did in His example of service and of obedience to the Father. So I ask, who are you following? Who am I following? It's almost certain that we're following someone, that we're allowing someone to lead us. And who we allow to lead us is going to determine the outcome of our life. And scarier than that, it's going to not only determine the outcome of my life, it's going to determine the outcome of many other people who follow after me. Whose leadership we choose to follow today is going to determine our end in the future. And if we're going to have strong homes and a strong church, we need to have men and women and children who are willing to submit to the authority that God has put in place over them, the authority structure that God has put in place. And we need men to give up self, to give up self-interest and to surrender to the leadership that's over them and to serve as leaders, to serve as leaders in their homes, to serve as leaders in, their ch- in the church, to serve as leaders in the community, to lead with a vision for the future, a vision for the difference that that small difference can make there on the peak of that watershed and the eventual outcome lead with a vision for the oncoming generations. I also believe that because of our human propensity toward following someone, where there is a lack of good godly leadership, people will find a substitute. And a substitute will never bring the results that God desires. Our world is full of substitutes. Men, it's our responsibility to provide leadership that's in line with God's Word. It's in line with His design. Not to acquiesce to what is popular or what's convenient. If we, if we judge according to what's popular today, We'll be a thousand miles away from where we are today in just one or two generations. If we don't follow God's design for leadership, I'm afraid that we'll end up like the poem about the horseshoe nail. For lack of a leader, there may be those who miss the kingdom. How desperately, in this day and age, do we need men who are dedicated to following God's order of authority and leadership. It's crucial. It's absolutely crucial for the good of our families. It's crucial for the well-being and the final end of our church if we're going to be faithful. We need men dedicated to submitting to God's ordained order of authority and leadership. Men willing to submit to those over them. Men who are dedicated to living according to the script, to scriptural principles. Dedicated to living according to good biblical church standards. Even when it's not the popular thing. Even when there's other so-called leaders 
saying there's a different way. God through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 6, 16. He told Jeremiah, he said, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. And I believe in that. God was saying that I have set forth a way for you to live. I have set forth godly standards and principles. Seek them out and walk in them, and you'll be blessed. And I believe that's what, that's, that's what God is telling us today. But do you know what the people's response was to Jeremiah? The last phrase of Jeremiah 6.16 are very sad words. The people said, it says, but they said, we will not walk therein. The people were rejecting what God had given them to bless them. And today, are we going to surrender and submit to what God has put in place to bless us and to bring Him honor and glory? Or are we going to say, we will not walk in your ways? Another another scripture that, that came to my mind was 2 Timothy 4, 3. And I won't read the verses, but it's where it talks about in the last days, those who will, because of their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. That is an example of following Leadership that is not God-ordained leadership. That is an example of following an imposter. It's the easy way. It makes us feel good. We short-circuit the blessings that God has in store for His people. And we short-circuit the glory that God would have His people display in this wicked world that we live in. So God bless you as you go forth and submit to His way. May we have a song.